Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Well, I am so glad that you are joining us today for part four of a series that we are calling Psalm 23. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Aaron Burke, and I am the lead pastor here at Radiant Church. We are one church in four locations. Thank you so much for that. That's nice. All right, one church in four locations, which by the way, we are soon to be one church in five locations. I'm super excited. I was able to join our, uh, our North Tampa launch team meeting uh, via Zoom last week and to see the families and team members that are coming on that team. I'm telling you, the Carrollwood, Lutz, that area, you have no clue what God's about to do in that area. So get ready. It's going to be great. We are on target by God's grace. And depending on everything that happens in our world for a fall launch, we will see how that works. But I'm really excited about that. But uh, if you have your uh, app, you can open it up. We are in a series called Psalm 23, where we are going verse by verse, really phrase by phrase, through a passage that's one of the most famous passages in all of the scripture. And we are really dissecting it, ripping it apart. And you're learning stuff hopefully you've never learned before. I'm learning more than I've ever learned before in my 20 years of following Jesus, 15 years of full-time ministry. I'm learning more about this passage than I ever had before. We're going to continue it the next few weeks. And so what we're going to do is we're going to say it out loud. And I know I, I just committed a major sin here by asking everybody to sit down a few minutes ago, but we're going to do something one more time. We're all going to stand back up because we're all going to read this together. I know you're getting your church calisthenics today. Ready? And we're going to say it out loud, even at home, even at Brandon, at St. Pete, at Heights. I want you to say it loud with me today. Ready? Let's say it out loud. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can I hear big? Amen, amen. You can be seated. Six verses, so much context, so much content, talking about David's relationship to God as his shepherd. And he de describes this personal relationship he has with the shepherd and then goes through and breaks down the role of the shepherd in his life. We see it for the last few weeks. We see uh, he's a shepherd who brings him into rest. He's a shepherd who quenches his thirst. And then he continues it today with what I thought was going to be part of last week's message. So when I outlined this whole series, it wasn't as long as I had it put out to be because I had last week's message and this phrase as one. Because he leads me beside quiet waters, he refreshes my soul, seems to go hand in hand together. That would be the same thing. Because here's what he says in verse 3, he refreshes my soul. It's like you get a good glass of water on a hot day. The problem with it is the NIV is the only translation that uses that phrase, refreshes, and really it's in two different, totally different connections when it comes to the passage. The idea of he refreshes my soul is not connected at all with the previous phrase. And as I did, 
a lot of digging into this passage, went super deep into the whole behind the scenes of it. I realized that the, what the, the King James and what the ESV and all the other translations say is a really a better representation of this passage. And I want to give it to you today because I'm not trying to just bore you with the behind the scenes. I want to tell you how it's going to impact your life. The way that it's also described in other passages, it might be how you learned it, is that it says it like this, he restores my soul. How many heard it that way growing up? Okay, that's, that's the majority. All right, I get it. He restores my soul. So this word restores is from a, Greek, a Hebrew word, and I'm going to put it up there on the screen, and what it sounds like is shuived. All right, now that sounds weird, and I could be totally off on it, but that's what Google told me it sounded like, okay? But here's what it means, okay? I'm going to talk to you about what it means to restore. It means to repair, to restore, or to bring back. If you're taking notes, it would be to repair, to restore, to bring back. Notice nowhere in that whole thing does it mean refresh. It was an idea that it's, it's like the guy who uh, could save money and just buy a new car, but he gets the antique one, and he works for months and years and years. He could have bought many cars for brand new. But he takes the old thing, and it's like a pride of his to restore it to new. How many people know people like that? You know what I'm talking about? Like, they just, they're working on the restoration. My wife got into the restoration uh, furniture thing years ago. So we would spend our days going to thrift stores, and she's like, I'm going to find a deal. Let me tell you how that works. Just give you the behind the scenes. You find a deal, but then when you realize what you spend to fix up that deal... I could have gone on Wayfair and bought five deals for that price right there. The restoration thing takes work, it takes money, and it's really, it's a good description of what our shepherd does with sheep. When they could be tossed out, when they could be over, our shepherd is interested in the restoration process. I want to talk to some people today who you feel like you're pretty screwed up in life. And I want you to know, I believe God brought you to Radiant Church today because he wants to restore your soul. He is in the restoration business. Now, how does this connect with a sheep? Because I found this super interesting. Like, I get it. That is something God does. But why would a shepherd need to restore a sheep? How does that work? I didn't realize this. I'm telling you, you're going to learn so much about sheep over this next few weeks. All right. What happens is one of the greatest killers of sheep is not wolves. It's not lions. Here it is. It's when a sheep becomes cast. All right. Now, here's what the word is. It's C-A-S-T. Here's what a cast sheep is. All right. Write it down in your notes. A cast sheep is one that has rolled over on its back and cannot get up without assistance. It's pretty funny to think about. So let me get Peep here. You'll remember Peep? Peep's back with us today. So Peep eats a little bit too much food. Peep is having too much of a good time. And then out of nowhere, Peep has something happen where he falls over like this, and one of the greatest killers of sheep is where they fall over like this, and because of their makeup, <laughs> they can't get back over. 
And you go, Aaron, this is, this is not true. Show them the picture. That <laughs> is a real sheep, and that is a cash sheep, and you talk to any shepherd all the time. That is the reality, and it's one of the greatest killers of sheep today, is that they get themselves to a place where they get so upside down, they can't figure it out, and they can't get themselves over without the help of a shepherd. That's why I titled today's message, What Do I Do When I Find Myself Upside Down? I think there's some people today, you're upside down. Your marriage is upside down. Your health is upside down. Your, your, your job is upside down. Your finances are upside down. Your kids are upside down. You, you thought you had normal ones, and you didn't get normal ones. You're, it's just not, it, things are upside down. I don't know about you, but 2020, it's upside down. It was supposed to be our year. I, I want a refund. I'm done with it. Like, it just, to me, we have to realize that life many times brings us to a place that we are upside down. And if we don't have the proper relationship with the shepherd, when you find yourself in a place that's upside down, it'll end up killing your potential, killing your joy, killing your destiny. You need a good shepherd who's by your side that can restore your soul to bring you to the place where you can get right side up again. I'm going to help you figure out how you can get right side up when you feel upside down in life. So before I show you how to get back up, let me tell you why a sheep becomes cast. I know you've always wanted to know because you just found out what this was two minutes ago, all right? Here's how a sheep becomes cast. Three things, write them down. Because of, simply because of exhaustion. Another one is because of cockiness. And then another one is because of separation. Just think about those three words for just a second, okay? So exhaustion, so what happens? The sheep overextends itself, it gets too tired, and what happens? It starts walking in such a way that it's no longer able to put its, its best foot forward, and what does it do? Because of exhaustion, it slips, it falls, poor peep. And then what does it do? He's upside down. I would suggest most of your worst decisions in life that bring you upside down are simply because you're making decisions out of a season of being tired. I think there's way too many people. You operate out of exhaustion. You don't take proper breaks. You don't take rest. You don't take a Sabbath. And what do you do? You find yourself upside down because you're walking in such a way that is making you where it's easy for you to fall. Let me just remind you, you will never make be your best decisions when you're tired. That's why God says you need to operate from a place of rest, not for rest. We start with rest. We make sure that we operate in the fact that we know that God's, the work is done on the cross. We're not striving for anything, and we're going to learn to get away from being always exhausted. Let me tell you, the greatest idol in America today is not money. I think it's busyness. I think people just love to be busy. They love to just go, 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 go. And it's the enemy's way knowing he can't slow you down, so he'll speed you up because he knows if he'll speed you up, he'll flip you upside down eventually. So you got to slow down at times. So how do I prevent exhaustion? I just learn to rest. You got to learn, learn the rhythm of rest. Learn to do, learn it, uh, we call it, uh, the Bible calls it Sabbath. Take a break sometimes. Take a break sometimes. Just learn to rest 
at times. I'm excited. Uh, Katie and I are taking our very first um, sabbatical as a pastor. This is our seven years this next, uh, this summer is seven years. This upcoming September is our seven years. So for the next few weeks, you're not going to see me around just for a few weeks. And I know it's sad. I know. Thank you. Don't, I, know, I guess that's good. They're like, guess preacher. Oops. But you know what? I, I, here's, here's why. I, I thought, I debated it so long, and my overseers who are my pastors are like, Aaron, you need to take July. You need to rest. You need to seek God. You need to get connected with your family. You need to get recharged. I'm like, but it's, it's okay. We, believe me, I don't, I don't know if I want to be around my family. We have been around each other for like 13 weeks. We're good. No, no, no. You need to take prayer breaks. You need to get away. And, and here's why. Here's Radiant Church. Just, just want you to know this. This is why I'm going to do it the next few weeks. I'm just, we're going to have incredible Sundays. It's going to be the best we've ever had. Honestly, every pastor that calls me that, that knows I'm doing this is like, Aaron, it's going to be crazy because your church is actually going to grow. They're actually going to tell you those are the best Sundays they ever had. I'm like, why did people say that? But, but here's, here's what it is. Here's why. Because I'm committed to you for the next 50 years, not for just the next five. So we're going to be healthy. We're going to do this long term. So you're not going to find your pastor upside down. Why? Because I'm making a point to rest, and you should do the same. Can I hear a good amen? How do we keep ourselves from cockiness? Cockiness is the moments that you just get too sure of yourself. I'll never forget going to Tropicana Field for our very first um, uh, raise game, and I know that you at St. Pete, I give you all a hard time about Tropicana Field, but um, I'll tell you, it probably all stems from the fact that I still have this terrible memory of, of parking way out from the, uh, the, the stadium, and I had to run in because it started storming, so it's me and a couple buddies, we're all running in to go to this, this raise game, and uh, running quickly as if we thought our seats would be taken. What a joke. No, I'm trying. <laughs> so that was a joke. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, um, so I was running full blast. I've told the story before. Running full blast, and like there's lines of cars all there getting ready to park. And I'm running into the stadium, and I didn't realize it, but the, the concrete turned to tile and storming raining. And I'm telling you, six foot three, 200 pound dude, I flipped. I've never flipped like this before in my life. My feet went above my head, and I went boom right to the ground. And I remember just sitting there on the ground, and everybody's like, dude, that guy just ate it. Did you get it on video? I'm like, God, please don't let them, don't let them get it on video. Destroy their phones in Jesus' name. Yeah, trying everything. I had people coming up to me during the game going, dude, you were that guy. I'm like, oh, you saw me online preaching? No, 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 no. You were the guy that ate it outside. Don't get cocky. Don't, don't, don't think you got it all together. Listen, the Bible says pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. How do we prevent cockiness in our life? Because a sheep will get all cocky. What happens is the, the stories go that the shepherds will see the sheep and he'll get away from the group and he'll start, you know, playing on the rocks and playing on different things that he shouldn't be on. As soon as you get a little cocky, flips them upside down. What do you do to prevent cockiness? You walk in humility. You walk in humility. You don't, as Romans says, you don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather yourself in sober judgment. You just sit there and you, you evaluate, okay, I'm not going to think of myself more highly than I am. I'm going to make sure I, I realize who I am and who God is. I am insignificant compared to who God is in this thing. 
when you start believing your own press or believing you're greater than you are. You know, I, I think it's like uh, when I was driving uh, my car the other day with my kids, uh, I had my son in the back of my car, and he was driving, and he was like, oh, Daddy, you're so fast as I was driving the car. And I remember sitting there going, yeah, I am. And I got to thinking, I'm not fast. The car is fast. I am but a passenger in the car. Let us remember, anything that's great in your life, it is not because of you. It is because we have a great God who is driving this thing. He is more powerful than us, greater than us. Let us not remember where, where the credit goes. He is a God. We are not. We walk in humility. And if God does anything through us, it is but by his grace that he did it, not because we're something special. Can I hear a better amen than that? Here, last one is this. They get separated. I thought this was so interesting. You ever see how sheep walk? Look at this picture. This is how they walk. Look, at that's a great description of how to make sure you don't find yourself upside down. You know why? Because when you're sitting there shoulder to shoulder with other people, guess what? Doesn't matter what bumps are in the road, what issues come up, what, what, what messes are, even how tired you are. Guess why? Because you try to fall, guess what? You got someone next to you on that side. You got someone next to you on this side. Oh, man, I'm really messed up this way. Oh, I got someone next to me on this side. You are very, you will find yourself upside down as soon as you get by yourself. Always. That's why the Bible says two are always better than one. Why? They have a good return on their labor. For if one, what? Falls down. Look what he says. They, they, uh, one falls down, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls down without another to lift them up. So how do we do this in our life? Here's the word I want to present to you today. It's a Christian word that we've kind of screwed up. But if you want to live a life where you're not finding yourself upside down, here's what you need in your life. You need a thing called accountability. Accountability. Accountability basically says this. I'm going to ask you questions and make sure you just don't deceive yourself. Because many times the number one person we deceive is our own self. We say things that we just think is, you know, we're, we just think we got it all together at times. And I, I think it's crazy. Many times the, th the things I don't know about myself are the very things that are probably the most damaging in my life. And the only way to figure them out is to have some people ask you some really good questions. You, got, you don't use this season where it is so, we're socially distant to make it a time to go, well, I'm just going to work on me by myself. You will never be able to fix what God wants you to fix by yourself. You need some people in your life that you can ask the questions, what are my blind spots? What are those areas of my life that need improvement? What have I settled for that needs change? When you get some people in your life that'll get around you a little bit, you'll find yourself not able to get upside down because they're able to spot it in you before it screws you up. I just think, I, I think of this in my life. Um, that some of the things that people have told me that I do, that I didn't know I did. And by the way, there's things that you do that you don't know you do, but everybody else knows you do. You know what I'm talking about? Like, and we all do. And here's what it is. You would know what it is if you ask somebody. But we don't ask anybody. Why? Because we have insecurity. We have a little bit of fear. But let me tell you, if you're not careful, that very thing... Isn't it funny when people find themselves upside down, 
you, they find themselves upside down financially. They find themselves, their marriage upside down. When other people find out, here's what they do. They all say the same thing. Oh, I, I knew that was going to happen. Oh, well, I saw that. Oh, oh they had, they're bankrupt? <laughs> yeah, I saw them at the mall one time. I, I saw what they were shopping with. Oh, I saw how they spent money. Oh, I saw, oh, their marriage is screwed up. I saw how they talked to their spouse. I knew that. But we all saw it. You just didn't ask anybody. That's why we need the community of believers to make sure that we are behind each other. We're surrounded with each other. We don't want to find you upside down. Don't use this as a season to separate. Use it as a season to get accountability. So how does a sheep become cast? They're exhausted. They're cocky. They're separated. I don't want you to end up on your back. But as I close out this message, let me just say this. The fact is, many of you are today. You're on your back. You're upside down. David describes it this way in Psalm 42. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Look at that, that phrase right there, the downcast. It's the same idea. Why? Why is, it, why is it upside down? Why is this situation not getting better? And then he says, what's the solution? The solution is to go to our shepherd, the only one that can save us at this time. Another sheep can't help the other sheep. We need to go to the shepherd at this moment and find our freedom. So what do we do? Here's the three things. How do we recover from being upside down? Number one, allow the shepherd to meet you where you are at. How many people try to get to a place where they go, all right, I'm going to get this thing done. I, I get it. My life is upside down. I'll fix it up. And then I'll get to church, I'll get to the shepherd, I'll give my life to Jesus. I'm ready to do it. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's like me, if my car breaks down, it would be ignorant for me to go, great, my car's broke down. Let me fix it up and bring it to the mechanic. It doesn't work. Because the more I try to fix it, the worse that car is going to be because it's not my skill. I don't know how to do it. I don't know the makeup of it. And it's the same with your life. The more you try to fix it on your own, the worse it's going to be. Put your hope in God. He is a shepherd that can restore you. And he wants to meet you where you're at. I love the story in Mark, I mean, Matthew chapter 18, where it talks about how the shepherd leaves the 99 for the one. It's a story that doesn't make sense in our world today, but it makes sense when it, you understand how good God is. What do you think, he says in verse 12, if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that has wandered off? I want to talk to some people. You, it's not just you that have wandered off. Maybe it's a dream in your life that has wandered off. Maybe it's that freedom that has wandered off. Maybe it's your joy that has wandered off. Maybe it's your health that has wandered off. I want you to know our God is willing to step into whatever area you feel is broken in your life. Let him meet you where you are at. Here's the second one. I think this is super important. You got to realize that restoration is a process. So don't fight it. So don't fight the process. Everybody loves the microwave, overnight, instant oatmeal society. It's not how God works. And let me just say this. It's not how a shepherd restores a cast sheep. So here's a video. And there's no audio, so I'm going to commentate it. Here's a little cast sheep. Hey, come on, buddy. Let's get up. No, I don't want to do it my way. 
I like my way better. But no, you don't know what you want. No, okay, I'll, I'll do, no, all right. This is a lot of your life with God right now. Just want y'all to see this. You see the process? And then he brings it over the side, and then he's like, okay, I'll slowly get up. Okay, I'm done. All right, get, he gets up. Now, I want, I want you to talk you through that for just a second, okay? There's a process when it comes to your restoration. Because a lot of you guys, you realize that you did not get in the mess you got into overnight. And let me just be very real with you. You're not going to get out of it overnight. So when the shepherd meets you where you're at, actually there's a whole science behind the, a cast sheep being flipped back over. Depending on how long they've been upside down, a lot of the gases and stuff in their, in their body have moved to such a place that if the shepherd flipped them automatically, they would die. It would be too much at that moment. So a shepherd is so kind to do it little by little by little because he knows that he's way more interested in the long-term success of the sheep. And so he's just going to let it go little by little by little. So I don't know who told you you're going to have success overnight in this, but they lied to you. Because I'm just to say, if you're going to give yourself to the restoration process, understand this. Every, here's how I wrote it down in my notes this morning. The teams can come at every location. Everything truly worth doing takes longer than you expect. That's a great line right there. Everything truly worth doing takes longer than you expect. So it took me, uh, it took me about four years to realize that Katie was supposed to be my wife. It was way longer than I should have taken, but, but it was worth it to wait. It took me five years to complete my master's. It took me four years to complete my doctorate. It's taken me seven years to build Radiant as healthy as it is right now. Everything that takes time, that is worthwhile, takes a lot of time. So if you're going to do anything great for God, if you're going to see any kind of breakthrough in your life, I want you to commit yourself to the process of what God has for you. I, I know people who struggle in their marriage. I'm just going to get very real for just a second. So I know people that struggle in their marriage, and they go, oh, man, our marriage is in struggle. They struggle. Okay, well, we went to one virtual marriage counselor for 30 minutes. It didn't work. I guess it's over. Anything that's going to be worthwhile is going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of effort. Let, let me just say it this way. Greatness doesn't happen in a day. It happens daily. It happens in you making sure, going, I'm going to make a daily decision to the process of whatever God has for me every single day to make sure I submit myself to the plan of whatever the shepherd has for me. Well, I read my Bible one time. It didn't work. Read it again. Read it every day. Pray every day. Fast. Do whatever it takes. I'm going to do my part to stay connected to this thing because I'm not going to stay upside down. I'm going to commit myself to the process of getting myself right back up to whatever the shepherd wants for me. And as he slowly moves you around, I'm just going to challenge you on this. Stay committed to the process, to counseling, to praying together, to owning your mistakes, to getting good accountability when it comes to that addiction, to doing whatever it takes to get yourself right back up. He's got a process in store for you, and I just think that if you submitted yourself to it, you'd walk right back up the way you were called to. Here's the last one. Once you get back up, once you start walking again, can I just encourage you to stay humble? Just stay humble. 
Because the worst thing that happens, and I don't know why it happens so often, but we get to this place where God's grace rescued us from being a flipped upside down on our own little sheep and he worked us through the process and got us there. And for some reason, through enough amount of time, we all of a sudden start to think, man, look how great we are. Look what we've got together. First Corinthians is a verse that kind of scares me. He says, so if you think you're standing firm, then be careful that you do not fall. Be careful. Why? Because, listen, it is very easy for us to get to a place to forget the fact that it was not you that got you up from the place that you were at. It, we deceive ourselves to thinking, oh, we got ourselves to this place. Look how great I built this marriage. Look how great I built this business. Look how awesome this thing is that I did. And I'm telling you what I've seen in my life is that as soon as people start taking the credit and the glory that belongs to Jesus, that is where the fall comes and you find yourself flipped right back over again. So here's how I live my life. And I'll close it with this, is I realize that the same shepherd that saves you is the one that sustains you. So I'm telling you, he's, he flipped me over when I was upside down, so screwed up. And he's the one that sustains me every single day. Would you just take a moment right there in your seat and would you just reconnect with that shepherd who sustains you? Would you just take a second and thank him? Thank him that he loves you so much that he, he saved you, he's transformed you. Many of you guys, even in this moment, I feel the, the Holy Spirit speaking to so many of you guys that you're wanting to quit on the restoration process. You hate the process. You, you, you want to quit on the marriage counseling. You want to you quit on the, the savings. You want to quit on the, the Dave Ramsey plan. You want to you quit on the overcoming the addiction. You want to quit on the small group. You want to quit on the church. There's so many of you guys that you're trying to quit on the very thing that God's trying to do to restore you. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you right now. Just ask him right now and say, God, let me submit myself to your process so I can find myself on my feet again. Lord, I pray for our church. So many people feel upside down during this season. We thank you that during this time that we can have a moment where the Holy Spirit can reach down and can move us right back up to bring restoration. Thank you, God. You are a God that restores our soul. I don't know who, who's in here today, but you feel upside down, you feel broken, you feel like it's over. The Spirit of God would say to you today, you are not done. The marriage is not done. The children are not forever away. It might look upside down, but we have a good shepherd who's stepping into your situation and flipping it right back up. Come on, let's stand to our feet at every location. Let's worship him. Let's put our focus on him. Come on, sing it.
just right where you're at, just close your eyes for just a second. At every location, people watching right now online, there's a lot of people in here today and, and your life is upside down. It's because you don't have a relationship with the shepherd. This is your perfect opportunity for you to start fresh. David starts out Psalm 23 saying, the Lord is my shepherd. You can have a personal relationship with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. You don't have to live upside down anymore. You can have this relationship today. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to make a bold, real decision to say, yeah, I'm giving my life to Christ. If you're watching online, you're going to click right there. I'm committing my life to Christ. If you're here in one of the services, I'm going to have you throw your hand up. I'm going to have you wave it at me, put it right back down. This is a time where you're going to say, yeah, today's my day. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I think this is your day where he becomes your shepherd. On the count of three, ready? One, two, three. Throw that hand up. Thank you. I see those hands all over there. That's awesome. Brandon Heights, St. Pete, throw it up, put it right back down. Why don't we all pray this prayer out loud? Say, dear Jesus, today I commit my life to you. I don't want to live upside down. Today I surrender my past, my present, and my future to you. Be my Lord, be my Savior. Forgive me of my sin and for the rest of my life. I'm going to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody that believes it says, come on, can we celebrate with those who made the best decision in their life? Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.